Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. The Iowa caucuses are over. They had to fight for TV time with football, the Emmy Awards, and who knows what else. NCIS repeats. Uh, And of course, it was apparently not very surprising that Trump won handily. Uh, But the stupid networks couldn't hold an AP, couldn't hold for two seconds uh, without divulging results before some people had even voted. But it just gives me a reason before we get started to uh, to unleash my usual old person lament, which is they've awarded 40 delegates. Can we not declare the campaign over? Gosh. Joining us to discuss their new report, Dan Schneider, Vice President for Free Speech America. They have a new report. They have two new reports. Welcome, Dan. Did you have thoughts on the Iowa caucuses? Well, my first thought, as I hear you say America with your Wisconsin accent, Wisconsin accent is that Wisconsin is that Green Bay won. Yes, correct. Green Bay won in the first round of the playoffs. So, Shocking. So, Mazeltov. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was shocking and amazing. As far as the Iowa caucuses go, I'm always having to remind my wife that it's a caucus, and a caucus is not a primary. Mm-hmm. A caucus is essentially the, the the old adage is it's a it's a test of an organization's capabilities so you could you could be very popular but have a weak effort a weak campaign and then do you know do poorly even though you're popular or you can be not so popular but have a strong office a strong campaign apparatus and do pretty well um but the results the actual voting results reflect kind of what the poll numbers said was yeah would happen yeah yeah, you know, Trump won with fifty-one percent, and Haley actually finished a couple of points behind DeSantis, but in that low twenty range. So, kind of like as expected. Right. So, why would you have to break it early? That's that. That just kind of bothered me. And and uh, uh, you're right. Here's what I find funny. So, reporters leading up to the caucuses are like, well, this rarely indicates the Iowa caucuses rarely tell us who the winner is. You know, Ted Cruz wasn't the winner and so on and so forth. And then this is over and they're like, nope, Trump's it. Let's over. <laughs> well, well, okay. But Joy Reid dismissed the Iowa results. Right. Because Iowa is filled with just a whole bunch of evil white evangelicals. They're as white as her hair. Yeah. Or, <laughs> really? Or blonde. She's blonde now. You haven't noticed? I know. I, I <laughs> You know, I don't work in the news analysis division yes. here at MRC, so I do not have to suffer with <laughs> with the coverage on TV. I I handle the, sort of the free speech, big tech side. So, no, I did not know that uh, anti-white, anti-male Joy Reid now has blonde hair. Well, they were making the joke. I believe Babylon B was uh, was speaking for lots of Twitter by saying, you know, why are you appropriating the hair of a white Karen? Uh, you know, <laughs> so that was. Uh, It is what it is. She's saying things to provoke her audience. That's her, I guess, her natural audience. Uh, So we're going to look at what you guys have been doing. Timothy Kilcullen and his Freedom of Information Act requests. But uh, big picture, 
You know, you, you tell these tales of what's going on in Rhode Island and Germany, and people might be like, well, but, yeah, but what's the what's the 20,000 foot view? And, and it's the same thing we've been seeing, especially in the Trump years, and that is everything conservative is defined as misinformation. And but what's terrible about what you found here is the federal government is engaged in this. The Department of Homeland Security, under the guise of anti-terrorism, is trying to tell little kids, don't believe the conservatives on social media. Yeah, I remember when Obama was a was president and he, he had just met with the Chinese leaders and he came back to America and he said something to the effect of that it's yeah, the, the Chinese have it so much easier because they don't have to deal with the, the difficulties of democracy. <laughs> okay, well, so true. Okay, well, now Joe Biden is president, and he finds the First Amendment and free speech to be really inconvenient to his administration, but he's doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, our our big study that's in two parts. Last week was part one. This week is part two. Uh, our big study shows how the Biden administration colluded, conspired with German socialists out of the University of Würzburg to bring that German censorship kind of model into American classrooms. Now, I have to digress for just one moment. I say the University of Würzburg with a little bit of venom. It is the alma mater of none other than Joseph Goebbels. Oh, (laughs) they know something about censorship. Adolf Hitler's propagandist-in-chief. And the U.S. partner in this effort, Renee Hobbs, out of the University of Rhode Island, is a self-proclaimed, and I'm quoting here, a self-proclaimed propagandist, proud propagandist. So we've got, you know, this DHS-funded effort, the lead of which is this proud propagandist working with the machinery in Germany, best known for propaganda. And in fact, this model, uh, this 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 effort was launched in part in Germany by the current deputy in charge of Germany's ruling Socialist Party, and he helped draft some of this some of this curriculum. So this stuff is now being incorporated into U.S. classrooms. Uh, U.S. teachers are being taught how to in- incorporate this German socialist curriculum in their classrooms. And, th- and this get, it's yet so complex and hard to explain. But bottom line, this curriculum has teachers teaching kids how not to listen to conservative media uh, and then using different kind of programs, plugins to prevent access to conservative media, teaching, a, ha, teaching kids that free speech is bad, that too much knowledge is a bad thing, and only listen to reliable sources, that these, these ratings firms like AdFontes hmm. and NewsGuard, the ones that they say are acceptable to, to read and watch. Of course, that means we can all- Liberal ones. Yes, ABC, NBC, CBS, The Washington Post, The New York Times, NPR. Those are the the reliable ones to get your information from, but do not get your information from 
Fox News Max, it, News Busters. Yeah, in fact, I, w- I will remind uh, your listeners that Ed Fontes has, in fact, a, a scorecard for you. Tim Graham, a specific <laughs> one, not just newsbusters. I mean, they have newsbusters. You made fun of me because he said uh, they they seem to make you slightly more moderate than newsbusters reliable, as a whole. Slightly more reliable than the public. Yeah, but on their standard, you... it makes me sound like more of a squish. I know. <laughs> I, some of us kind of wonder. <laughs> not true. Uh, the oh, but 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 wait, there's more. I'm selling Ginsu knives here, Tim. This this is with our taxpayer dollars right. at the Department of Homeland Security. The office that's supposed to be catching terrorists, mm. instead, they're using our tax dollars not only to censor and all that, but to train children, your you, know, you listeners, your kids, your grandkids, to train them to be political activists. Mm. And And I am not making this up. This is actually going on right now as we speak. Children junior high, high school, and then college-age students are eligible to get up to $1,000 for posts on the internet, like Instagram, for pushing left-wing narratives, like you know, anti-Second Amendment, anti-free speech, anti-Donald Trump. These are the specific things that are being taught and rewarded with our tax dollars. Uh and I, yeah, they're obviously not sending them to, for example, the March for Life on Friday. No. They're about sending them to uh, pro Hamas protests or something, something woke, uh, anti gun rallies. Yeah. And, and some of your listeners might be saying, this sounds too conspiratorial to be believed. Well, that's why it's a German model, not an American model. This is this is incorporating this is this is incorporating a censorship and propaganda kind of model that is unacceptable in America, but it's consistent with Germany. I think that uh, you know, when my boy Ben was in high school, I found out that one of his social studies teachers had worked for a Republican member of Congress and I said, "You know, I can come by sometime and just do a real dry objective thing about media analysis." And he's like, Nope, nope, nope. We're not, we can't do partisan stuff in the classroom. And of course, I wouldn't have done that. But, it, you know, at that particular time in this Prince William County, Virginia, it was like, we're not, we're not giving a lean to the lessons. Now, obviously, that does happen. One of the reasons people in Florida get mad at Ron DeSantis is because he's telling them they shouldn't do that. You can't come into the classroom and make the white kids feel bad because slavery. <laughs> Or systemic racism today. Yeah. Well, let me just read some of the things that our tax dollars have funded on social media. Okay. Quote, we are all living in a darker, scarier, angrier, less hopeful country. Thanks to Mr. Trump's influence. We are on the verge of civil war. Another one. It won't be easy, but we really have to reduce Trump's influence. Um, There are attacks against Marjorie Taylor Greene, Fox Media, Tucker Carlson, um, Rush, the Limbaugh. Amendment, Rush Limbaugh. Rush uh, Limbaugh. This is the nature of their work. And they create videos. Again, using our tax dollars, these children creating videos. There's one video of a, of a, I think he's in junior high, and he's under a table crying, saying there are too many guns in America. And we have to, oh. yeah, we have to get rid of the Second Amendment. Ay, 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 ay. Well, I, 
Yeah, I was reading the report and I'm thinking, yeah, this is like an offshoot of public broadcasting. It's publicly funded left-wing advocacy basically suggesting that democracy and Trump are opposites. So they get to feel righteous about we have to reduce Trump's influence. One of the th- one of the little details in here that was we found amusing, especially as MSNBC watchers is who restarts the targeted violence and terrorism prevention grant program during the Trump years, but one Miles Taylor, Mr. Anonymous, who was going to undo Trump from within. That's a really fascinating little yeah. tidbit. Yeah, so this 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 anti-terrorism program <laughs> was restarted by Miles Taylor. He was the person we all knew at the time was, as Anonymous. He wrote a big... New York Column. Times. And a book. And then a book. Yeah, some of you may recall Anonymous. He was famous for a few minutes. Uh, he's the one who relaunched this effort still while Trump was president. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the Biden administration came in, they uh, they took this program and created a whole center around it, CP3, Center for Prevention Something and Something Programs. and. And it's out of this thing that we're supposed to be catching terrorists. And those terrorists, as we've shown and talked about before, include the Heritage Foundation, yeah. Prager University, you know, Turning Point USA, poor, poor Charlie Kirk. Uh, the list goes on. And they basically lead to the neo-Nazis. And, and well, you know, all of these groups are, are just as bad as, as not only neo-Nazis, but full-fledged Nazis and must be stopped. And uh, this, you know, some of this programming was teaching people how to infiltrate these kind of organizations and subvert them. And, and, and now we're, we've learned that uh, this program you know, is being used to train teachers how to incorporate censorship models in the classroom, how to propagandize students, and how to turn them into political activists. Well, we've used this term in previously when we discussed on the podcast, and it's all over this report, this whole idea that they call it media literacy. Now, as I'm sure I said the last time, we're engaged in teaching people media literacy. It's nothing like what we would teach. And you could teach media literacy in an objective way. They're clearly not doing that. And that's that's the whole point of this report is to say when you can define conservatism as the equivalent of misinformation, then you can just sh- try to shut it all down. Yeah, well, well of, of course, in the last, what, 12 months or so, the, uh, these people, these lefties, have come up with a new word, malinformation, because when they've used the word misinformation or disinformation, too often they've been proven to be wrong. So now malinformation is information that is accurate, but used in a way that embarrasses the left. So that's called malinformation. It's unhelpful truth. Yes. It's, <laughs> yes, I'm trying to remember Al Gore's inconvenient truth inconvenient truth inconvenient truth so anything that embarrasses the left that's accurate then that's just deemed malinformation and, and that's to be silenced too because anything that harms the Biden regime has to be stopped this is the german model after all um so we would encourage you to read the two the two reports but if you wanted to to read it on the quick Luke Rosiak's done some nice summaries at the daily wire yeah luke rosiak did a really nice job um, pinpointing, showing different examples that, that just blow your mind. 
Now, one of those, if I may, uh, the Spanish language media part. I was pointing this out to Jorge Benilla here at MRC, who also has a Spanish language radio show in Florida. And uh, just that they were basically like, it was the Spanish language stations were moving the Latinos toward Trump. And that was obviously misinformation of some sort. Well, so Spanish language has to be not suppressed, but redirected to have the right kind of narrative, <laughs> you know, a liberal narrative. It's all about controlling the narrative. You know, it's not the news anymore. It's the narrative. You, we, we could joke that it's, it's more, it's a more boring title for the website, but we could be narrative busters. <laughs> well, as our boss, founder of the Media Research Center, Brent Bozell, has said to me often, uh, it's no longer the news. It's about information. Mm -hmm. And so when the left uses the words misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, it is about the kind of data points that get implanted in people's heads to influence them on how they should think and behave. It's not news. It's techniques to induce us to be lefties. Well, you could say, look, we're in a... You could say we're in the post-Trump era. I don't think that's true. I think the last couple of years have, are still the Trump era. If you're looking at who's the dominant figure in the way that the news media and what they talk about all the time, we're still in the Trump era. But it's easy then to try to be to be cocky about how we're the forces of truth and facts when you look at some of the stuff that Trump says. D does he inspire fact checkers to be really busy? Sure, but here's the whole problem. You can just look at the first two weeks this year on PolitiFact, I tweeted this the other day. 14 fact checks of Republicans, named Republicans. One fact check of a Democrat, and it was the president. But 14 to one, They, I mean, they really want us to believe that the Republicans are 14 times as bad. Yeah, well, Look, we all know that Trump exaggerates. Uh, I've seen it in person when he's speaking at, say, CPAC. And he's, you know, and he's saying the line to get into this room, the room is packed, the line to get in the room is 14 blocks long. <laughs> and in fact, there's a line to get in the room, a bunch of disgruntled people not getting in the room, and, and you know, a, a sizable number of people that may have extended to, I don't know, Half a block, I'm just mm -hmm. guessing. Not mm -hmm. 14 blocks. Right. Um, okay, there's that kind of fact check. Yeah. Yeah. How long, how long is the line? Like, who really cares how yeah. long the line well, is? Yeah, well, they just want to make that point over and over again. Yes, Trump exaggerates. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, compare and that. So does Biden exaggerate. Yeah, compare that fib to there's no crisis at the border. You're right. <laughs> there's, we, have, we have operational control of the border. Yeah. Don't believe your, your lying eyes. Ask the mayors of these big cities whether we don't have a crisis. But that no, that's exactly right. And, you know, President Biden made these two opening campaign speeches. Uh, I pointed out a list of things that he said that were easily fact-checkable, and they've fact-checked none of those. Um, and so, uh, but, you know, my prominent example is always him saying the Republicans are Jim Crow 2.0. That is just so off kilter it is so crazy um it is pants on fire and it's never been fact checked by these groups and jeez oh, i i this i don't know how many times i've heard it. it's not original to me but 
when Biden was saying that what the what the Georgia legislature did in passing reforms to to safeguard elections in Georgia, that that was Jim Crow 2.0, when in fact the Georgia legislature was more permissive and more flexible about voting standards than Joe Biden's own home state of Delaware, which he praised. Like, and that's how, what the that would be the fact check, you know. But that, no, that's Republican messaging. You, you know, we we can't do any of that. Uh, but I mean, I, I, it, so behind this whole, well, no- that would be considered malinformation yeah. because <laughs> our information is accurate, but harmful to the, to the regime. So malin, not disinformation, not misinformation, but embarrassing information for Biden. If I was teaching children in high school or middle school, and I used to teach religion to eighth graders. So I have some experience in their level of interest or disinterest in matters of uh, great weight. Uh, you can describe accurately the current media system. On the right, there's some very uh, focused, uh, uh, entertaining the base information, and it's the same on the left. But as you know, they the one side is is all falsehood, and the other one's, I guess, idealism. You know, I guess you mentioned Rush Limbaugh earlier, who, who of course was scandalized by you know your tax dollars being spent at DHS. Rush Limbaugh, he was so brilliant at bringing both news and entertainment together in a broadcast. You actually learned important things mm-hmm. about real analysis, and he was funny. He would present it in really funny ways. I think one of the things that was most important with the Limbaugh show too was in times when the Democrats were in control of everything, you know, he was keeping the morale boosted. And I think that was always an important thing to say, that like basically this country's too important for you to give up on it. You know, even at times when, uh, I guess, for example, the first two years of Clinton, uh, I guess the first two years of Obama, when you Republicans weren't really, didn't have a House of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think they just end up being in this place where they're like, when it comes to government dollars, we have to have, provide what they consider the governing point of view. Uh, you know, we've made this joke before. Imagine the Corporation for Public Broadcasting taking $100,000 and giving it to the Rush Limbaugh show. And they would freak out. Now, if you listen to a show like Fresh Air with Terry Gross, I mean, it's a very biased program. It might sound very calm. But it's a biased left-wing hack talk show, and we give money to that. Speaking of NPR, (laughs) and I Uh oh, did you listen to it again? I I can't help but spit out (laughs) my vituperative thoughts here. NPR, as I think I've said on your podcast before, has never, ever explained how the Hunter Biden laptop story has been debunked. Right. It would always say the debunked Hunter Biden laptops. Of course, now they just don't talk about it. Right. And I have tweeted at NPR. I've called NPR. I've tried to talk to Stephen Skeep and these others oh, yes. who who have who would constantly talk about the debunked Hunter Biden. Lap- if you go on the NPR page, 
and I finally, I did, I've had different staffers go and say, please find out how NPR has debunked this story. And I, I was doing it honestly, thinking, well, maybe it's been debunked, you know, maybe, you know, before Hunter mm-hmm. fessed up, but it was true. Mm-hmm. How's it debunked? And finally, a single page on the NPR website has data points. And they're, they're one data point that had anything to do with, in any relationship at all to debunking this, is simply that Republicans have not provided specific evidence saying it's true. Well, that's that means it's debunked. They, they well, and now of course their response on everything Hunter Biden is there's no evidence that links Hunter Biden's you know millions of dollars of crack and hookers money to Joe Biden. When if you read Miranda Devine's book, Laptop from Hell, it clearly states Hunter Biden's paying for for uh, things at Joe's house. Yeah, and they they they're all going to skip over ten percent for the big guy. Well, you know, but just as as Bill Clinton would redefine terms, it depends what the meaning of is, is. <laughs> I, I figured out what the left is doing here when they say there's no evidence. What they really mean, and, and this was in a conversation I had with a cousin of mine, a radical lefty cousin of mine, where he said, there's no evidence. And I said, you're confusing the legal standard of proof with evidence. There's gobs of evidence, gobs and gobs of evidence. I think what you're saying is you have not proven as a hundred percent moral certainty that it happened, and he, he kind of looked at me and blinked a few times because he realized that's what he was doing in his head, saying you haven't proven it. Right. But as Tim Graham, my colleague sitting here before me, the host of the show, will oftentimes say, it's kind of the media's job yes. to look for for evidence, but they're not doing that. <laughs> they now. say there's no evidence. Did you look for any? No. <laughs> that would be that would be malinformation. And, we <laughs> and James Comer. And Jim Jordan and many others have provided all kinds of evidence, you know, handed in a bow to the media. And the media just sort of looks at the package sitting on the desk that says tons of evidence of of bribery scandal with Joe Biden. And they just say, "Uh, I don't think I'm going to open this package. Or you have somebody like Joe Scarborough is like, I'm going to bring up Green Acres now. I'm not singing the theme song this time, Uh, you know, Arnold, the pig's better than James Comer. (laughs) Like. Can we fact check that? I don't I don't think your audience knows, but there was one afternoon. Oh, I, it's been discussed on this show. Oh, okay. I think. You and I sang out loudly in the halls of here here at MRC, the Green Acres theme. And song. I knew the whole thing. We we should we should have an an outro you know, of Green Acres <laughs> at the end of this thing. No, because there's music going out at the end of the show. Well, I'm, I'm suggesting you substitute them. With I, that, that I, music with Green Acres. Now, I want to go back. I'm to, tempted. <laughs> I'm tempted. My boy Ben can if, just if edit it out. gives me the thumbs up, I'm going for it. <laughs> Green Acres. <laughs> no, we have a new intern today, as you probably have a new intern. And, uh, they, I met her. They I met turned her. to laughing at me when I mentioned Abe Vigoda. And they're like, the intern doesn't know Abe Vigoda. And I'm like, Fine. I don't know what she listens to either, uh, you know, whatever. But it's, it's like they just like making fun of my age. I asked all of our new interns today why they are, are in their respective divisions. And your intern said, because I want to be a writer. I want to write about the news. I said, huh. well, then you're in the right place. Excellent. News Excellent. Busters. Now, the, let's go back to the 20,000-foot thing. So obviously you have other conservative websites reporting on this, these reports. Members of Congress are now reading these reports. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say, well, gee, the DHS, we 
some of the advocacy and whatever on the Republican side has called for an end to the disinformation governance board. But it, it seems like this problem isn't really going away. But short of basically reelecting a Republican to the White House, I mean, what what can Congress do at this okay. point? Well, there are several things that Congress can do, and Congress, at least the House of Representatives, is doing. Um, as we speak, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is, uh, is being considered to, for impeachment. The, the Homeland Security Committee of the House of Representatives is conducting an impeachment inquiry. They have, they've had one hearing last week. Tomorrow is their second hearing. And uh, yeah, we've been working with the Homeland Security Committee so that they are aware of these abuses. Now, that impeachment inquiry is focused on uh, Mayorkas's horrible conduct on the border. Right. Uh, th- but everything he's doing to censor Americans and deprive us of our First Amendment rights— that in and of itself is clearly sufficient to have him impeached and removed from office. Um, appropriators can defund these these censorship operations, and they're going on across the Biden administration. Uh, and then the authorizers, they can prohibit uh, the government from doing these things. Of course, the First Amendment already does prohibit the government from doing those sorts of things, but that would require lawsuits. And it's hard for for Congress to bring lawsuits, but Congress can pass new laws saying you are prohibited from doing these sorts of things in the administration. I'd just like to see a, a hearing, maybe with Mayorkas, maybe somebody underneath Mayorkas, where the James Comers would be like, could you explain to me how exactly that somebody saying something about Hunter Biden's laptop and you're objecting to it is somehow terrorism prevention? Well, so last year when Kevin McCarthy was still the Speaker of the House, uh, then Judiciary Committee member um, Mike Johnson uh, interrogated Mayorkas on this, and so did the Congresswoman from Wyoming who unseated Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. Harriet Hageman. They both went after Mayorkas for just these sorts of things. So uh, Mike Johnson is now Speaker of the House. Yes. And he is focused on these things, and his office is fully aware of our reports and how Mayorkas, working on behalf of Joe Biden, is using our tax dollars not to catch terrorists, but to silence us. I think, uh, you know, I obviously encourage everybody to read these. There's a lot of work put into these. You know, a lot of the things we do at Newsbusters, we we have a sort of a try to keep it at 500 words. There's This is like 5,000 words. Uh, so what I did was I block and copied it and printed it out. And so uh, to me, I want to read this on paper. Trying to read this on your phone, I mean, what? well, so there is an executive summary on yep. top of it, right? Uh, that gives the broad strokes. It does. If you go into the full report, you know, it it goes into some pretty fine detail, and and you got to be patient to to try to get through it and put your thinking cap on because it's it's complicated, very complicated. Well, people think that conservatives are unsophisticated rubes, so prove them wrong and uh, dig into this report. Uh, I think th- this is something to me where I'm, I'm very proud that we're doing this kind of investigative reporting. This is not easy, this Freedom of Information Act digging. No, it, it's not. But we've got, you, know, you mentioned Tim Kilcullen, yeah. who is the lead 
author on this. He's also our lead investigator. Just became a lawyer. It just He was just finally admitted to the bar. Yes. Uh, he, uh, well, he didn't take like eight times to do it, like no, JFK no, Jr. No, or no, something. He, he, did JFK actually pass the bar eventually? I don't know if he ever passed it. I remember him failing it. I know he failed three times. <laughs> did it really matter, right? He was JFK Jr. Yeah. He also needed a pilot's license. Anyway. Ooh. So I was in law school at the same time he was in law school. He was at the other law school in New York City, the lesser law school in New York City. And uh, so when I went, when I started practicing law, um, I had colleagues who had gone to law school with him, technically had gone to law school with him. And the one thing that they said is he was never in class. Mm -hmm. They never saw him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Entitled. He was in at, he was at NYU Law School for three years, and the, my former colleagues saw him on campus maybe twice. Shocking. He didn't pass the bar. <laughs> or go to class, or as far as they know, even take exams. But somehow, mm-hmm. he graduated from NYU Law School. Mm-hmm. It's good to be a Democrat. Well, it, you know, you can't... Just pointing this out feels like targeted violence. Uh <laughs> 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 I, I uh, let's. I don't think. No, 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 no. I was about to say. I don't think I've been raided by any of these groups, but my 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 staff has been. Uh, but only Tim Graham. You and Ted Cruz stand apart as being individually raided by Adfantes. Well, it's the podcast. We have guests. They could be part of the raiding. Well, Ted, Cruz, you could be ruining it right now. It's the Ted Cruz podcast that is raided and. You know, when I go back, I'm going to find out who is deemed more reliable, you or Ted Cruz. I'm oh. not sure what the answer is. Well, I would. Uh, Ted Cruz is brilliant. I enjoy listening to him, um, and I wouldn't dare to tell anybody that we're competitors on, in that sort of a, of a way. Uh, I think you can hold your own. He is brilliant. I yeah. Plus, he's funny. People don't. People don't pay enough attention to that. Clearly, he would beat you in a basketball. Apparently, game. He's a, he 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 kicked Jimmy Kimmel around the court. Yes, yeah, he loves that. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel hates that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I as I said before, you 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 want to try to dig into these reports if you can, and uh, and keep vigilant as Americans that we have a federal government that we're sending our tax dollars to who basically wants to try to tell the American people we have suspicious extreme views that can be somehow smeared into targeted violence and terrorism prevention. That's objectionable. You know, if you want to write your member of Congress about this, I know I'm not supposed to advocate the 501c3 IRS standards, but this is an outrage, just like I am the guy who always gets upset about NPR and PBS and the Voice of America, if you listen to their White House reporter, taking our tax dollars and just being pukey liberals. Un-American liberals. That goes for Steve Inskeep, too. I hope he's listening. (laughs) That would be something. Yeah, Steve Inskeep is the is the uh, anchor for Morning Edition. And inside the building here, he's basically known for doing the most fawning Barack Obama interviews. Um, And now he's doing fawning Hakeem Jeffries interviews with your tax dollars. If you object to that, then obviously you're a natural fan of Newsbusters. So come once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.